Welcome back to your therapy tools. This is DBT 11. Today we will focus on building mastery and the abbreviation is BM. And if you're like me, you find that amusing. Uh, we'll focus on the skill fast and values and boundaries. And I want to share with you kind of my take on what DBT is. So I've given you the definitions by the creators. Here's my take on DBT. DBT skills are healthy, critical thinking tools. You really get to tap into your intelligence and you improve your life. Think about a scientist, a researcher, or even a doctor. So they might study illnesses. They might study cures to illnesses. They might study rocks and and bones and they might study people medications etc so they notice many things about what they study they will look at cells under a microscope and they'll say this cell is dysfunctional or it's functional they won't say that cell's a stupid head or that cell is the greatest cell in the world They'll just simply point out the facts. They don't attach their judgment. They don't get emotionally tied to their research. They are very matter-of-fact. They state the facts of their findings. And I've told several clients to use a scientific mind and journal the facts of the situation. Because journaling the facts of your findings helps you to learn where and when you can apply your tools. So the, the official definition of critical thinking from the dictionary states that critical thinking is the application of logical principles, rigorous standards of evidence, and careful reasoning to the analysis and discussion of claims, beliefs, and issues. And then the definition of scientific mind is the scientific mind considers evidence in the scientific domain, faith, and in the sense of a belief in something without evidence is considered a wrong value. So whatever claim there is, it is meaningless unless it is proven by evidence. And that's what DBT teaches us. DBT teaches us to look at the facts of the situation and it also incorporates looking at how we are feeling and it helps us to differentiate facts from feelings so again I'll say it again DBT is awesome so let's let's jump into building mastery building mastery the core concept of that is to complete tasks and feel competent and in control So we all have daily tasks and things that we have to do that can lead us to feeling competent and in control when we successfully complete them. Um, And the other side of the coin is um, when tasks build up or we don't complete them, we start to feel overwhelmed and out of control. And sometimes like a deer in the headlights, we just freeze and do nothing and then we feel bad about ourselves. So there's an example here in the workbook, and it says basic activities of daily living, um, building a satisfying life, often need our attention. So the following brief list includes 
building mastery activities for many of us. Um, The first one, of course, is hygiene, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, making sure you're wearing fresh, clean clothes. Um, And then down the list, it goes with doing the dishes, shopping for food, grocery shopping, buying shampoo, toothpaste, things like that, Um, cleaning whatever needs to be cleaned up in your home, making sure your laundry is completed and fresh and You know, sometimes we don't always put it away. It'll sit there folded on the dryer forever, but at least it's done, right? Um, Accompanying important tasks, accomplishing important tasks or chores, um, opening mail and paying your bills, completing homework or work tasks, tending to your children and pets, maintaining um, some sort of a level of organization, Some people are not real organized and others are, um, but organize everything to where you know where everything is and everything has a place. Um, Answering emails, answering voice messages, answering text messages. Um, So those are things that we could do. Um, Building mastery skills also include taking on realistic challenges and working toward your goals. So some examples of that would be learning to practice your DBT skills, um, developing and maintaining a hobby, getting proper exercise, and taking steps to resolve problems that come up, um, accomplishing tasks outside of your comfort zone, dealing with an interpersonal issue, so your relationships are struggling, you want to be able to handle it and deal with it, Standing up for yourself, volunteering, um, doing your best in a tough situation. So this is from the Lane Peterson Expanded DBT Skills Training Manual, 2nd Edition. And he uh, created this in 2017. This workbook is amazing. I highly recommend you go buy it on Amazon. It's worth it. Um, So any attempt to be effective... Or any accomplish, um, any accomplishment could be a build mastery technique. Um, be mindful of your efforts and give yourself due credit. And I tell everybody, celebrate your successes. So, oftentimes we dismiss those things in life that we should be doing or we're expected to do, such as taking a shower, uh, doing a laundry. We invalidate ourselves by saying that those efforts are no big deal and we're not really worthy of recognition for that because that's something that should be done anyway. Um, Don't minimize yourself. And we minimize the importance or get into judgments about what we did not do as a way to erase our efforts as well. So maybe you got up and did the laundry and... You should celebrate that and say, yay me, I did a good job today. I got the laundry done. But maybe you didn't clean the rest of the house, so you're busy bashing yourself for being a little piggy for not cleaning the house. And you forget all about the fact that you did a load of laundry, and that was big for you because you're depressed. So think think in terms of not a negative thinking filter, but more of what is good about today. What did I accomplish today? Don't think about what I did not accomplish today. Think about what did I accomplish today? 
as a rule of thumb, if you judge yourself when you think you have not made enough of an effort or you haven't accomplished what you wanted to, um, you deserve credit for the effort or the accomplishment when you do try and when you get something done. So use build mastery skills to help you feel better, decrease your emotional vulnerabilities, and increase your own self-respect. So that was building mastery. Now I'm going to jump over to a little bit about emotions because emotions are a big factor in building mastery. Okay, so the core concept of model of emotions, that's knowing how emotions happen. That helps us to influence our emotions. Knowing how our emotions happen helps us to influence the emotion. And you have a circle of arrows all pointing in the same direction. So there's something happens, then there's the way you interpret it, then the emotion comes up, then you have an urge to take action which results in a behavior then you have consequences and the circle is never ending so if you have an urge to act you can throw in a dbt skill and change the behavior change the consequence and the outcome and then the event might become something entirely different So the event begins the circle of emotion, and that can be internal. It can be something that pops up in your head. It can be that something triggered you, or it could be external. Somebody's being rude to you. There's a lot of traffic today. Um, The cashier shortchanged you. It could be a number of things. And then how you interpret that event has a huge influence on what you feel. So you step back and observe and describe the available facts to check your interpretation. This is also known as self-talk or automatic thoughts. So you're checking your interpretation of the event. And then you want to kind of ask yourself, does this interpretation work in this situation? Um, Is my urge to act appropriate in a temperament? Is it... Is it huge? Is it a huge reaction to a small problem? Am I, am I making sure that it's an equal reaction to the problem? Am I maintaining my emotional self? Um, is the interpretation coming from a place of wise mind? Is it non-judgmental? Um, are there dialectical alternative interpretations that could be considered? So you're thinking like a scientist. You're using critical thinking tools, which makes makes you very smart. And you get to use more of your intelligence and grow more of your intelligence and work smarter instead of harder. So the emotion you use, observe, and describe to notice your emotional experience. So you're going to do a body scan. You want to know what your heart rate is, do you have any muscle tension, are you sweating, are you clenching your fist, is your jaw tight, Um, what is happening outside of your body, are you posturing a certain way, are you making certain facial expressions, what are you communicating verbally and non-verbally, 
So are you rolling your eyes at somebody? Are you avoiding eye contact? Um, are you saying something that maybe you should stop yourself, use the stop tool, stop saying that, be quiet for a minute and think? Remember to observe and describe your emotions non-judgmentally and also try to see whether another feeling is underneath what you observe. So, for example, hurt or embarrassment might underlie anger or guilt. Shame might be underneath depression. So getting to the, the root emotion is, uh, it creates more options for you. So if you feel immediate anger, you might feel fear, shame, or pain, emotional pain underneath that anger. So when you're able to cut down to the root, to the primary emotion, it's helpful because then you can adjust how you're going to respond by addressing the actual emotion that's underneath instead of the self-defense emotion that we're acting out with. So actions urge behavior. What is the emotion urging or pulling you toward? Is this behavior already happening? And what's your state of mind and your action urge and behavior flowing toward? What kind of consequence is it flowing toward? Some action urges can be effective and it's important to act on those, but other actions should not be acted on because they will be ineffective. So can you think of an example of what would be an effective action urge? maybe a a DBT skill, and then what would be an ineffective action urge, maybe uh, yelling, breaking something, throwing a fit, stonewalling, Um, and then, of course, that's whatever you choose is going to lead to your consequence. So emotions and choices in response to um, what's going on will perpetuate a cycle like this circle of arrows and um, there are consequences that result from your behavior and those consequences could be positive or they could be negative so it's important to think about that so to change your relationship with emotions you have to make an attempt to understand your emotions and uh, change your relationship with them Emotions are really not good, bad, right, or wrong. They are just what they are. They create uh, feelings and urges in us. And the first step to changing our relationship to emotions is to become curious about what they are and use a non-judgmental stance. What purpose do emotions really serve? So listed here in the workbook, emotions exist so we can connect and relate to other people and create meaningful relationships. They allow us to share joy and love with those around us and to be compassionate and empathic. Our emotions also communicate quickly to people around us without needing words. Emotions bring us together. Emotions motivate us in relationships and other areas of life. Emotions provide us with intuitive information that motivates our behavior without thought. 
and emotional guidance can be highly effective in certain situations. It can even enable us to overcome what we think is an impossible obstacle. When our emotions cloud our lives, when we become emotionally flooded, as in uh, depression symptoms, anxiety, anger, it's important to remember that these emotions are still giving us important information. Um, So instead of judging the emotions, we want to practice acceptance of the emotions and open our minds to listening to the message. When we reject our emotions or try to get rid of them, Um, it usually intensifies the emotion instead. So the message doesn't get through, and it needs to get louder in a sense, right? And when others invalidate our, our emotions, those emotions become more intense as well. Self invalidation has the same effect. So practicing non judgmental acceptance of your emotions and listening to the messages is important. And also remember that emotions are not facts and that a healthy relationship to emotion comes from wise mind. So you want to mindfully hold on to your emotions to soothe yourself and reduce suffering. When you try to get rid of fight or judge your emotions, you're adding suffering and emotional pain. Just like any other form of rejection, these approaches create a negative counter-response. So our emotions are a part of us with information to share, and refusal to accept them increases their intensity. Willingness to sit with your emotions and experience them, good and bad, is is a soothing, soothing skill. It's like really listening to a friend's concern or sitting with another person's stress without having to fix it. It's not trying to fix your emotion and instead just being present with the emotion with wise mind. Even strong emotion often does not require immediate action and emotions always pass. They don't stick. You're not permanently happy you're not permanently angry you're not permanently devastated emotions do pass just like clouds in the sky you can be present wise mind present with all five senses and hold and cradle your emotion through mindfulness holding that emotion means you recognize it you recognize it and you recognize that the emotion is not you. It is your emotion, but the emotion is not you. And when you simply be with the emotion, you open yourself to the uh, non-judgmental, non-judgmental mentality, and you find that the intensity does subside quicker. So you'll find that emotions have important information for you. There's a message there. You don't want to overthink it, but you want to hold that emotion, hold it like a a little baby in a cloud, just hold on to it and sit with it until it stops crying, until it quiets down and think about what the message is. Okay, next tool is FAST, F-A-S. 
F-A-S-T, fast. This is for self-respect and healthy relationships. Fast skills are focused on priorities, goals, and values so that you can make choices that build your self-respect. Self-respect is the foundation to liking yourself and it creates a solid base for you to build and maintain a relationship with others as well. So F stands for fair. Be fair, be just, be non-judgmental with yourself and others. Avoid extremes, avoid that black and white thinking. And if you catch yourself doing it, ground yourself in wise mind before interacting with others. Think of fair weather as being not too hot, not too cold, and there are no storms. Keep, keep a moderate climate with others without whipping up bad weather. Use respectful words and actions with yourself and with others. Other people do not need to earn your respect. You treat others with respect because it builds on your own self-worth. Responding rather than reacting in relationships. A stands for apology not needed. Don't engage in unneeded apologetic behaviors. Don't apologize because you have an opinion. Don't apologize because you disagree. Don't apologize for being you. Avoid apologizing for things that you have no control over. Um, People who chronically and unnecessarily apologize, they really, really erode their self-respect and they devalue apologies that are genuinely needed. If you're constantly saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, then when there's a reason to really say you're sorry, people are so sick of hearing you say you're sorry that they're like, blah, get away. (laughs) Um, So you don't want to ruin the intensity of a truly needed apology that you need to give. Um, know, Know your values. Oh, I apologize. I skipped ahead. No apologies does not does not apply to situations that require an apology. So if you hurt somebody, if you did something wrong, yes, apologize. Um, the S in fast means stick to your values. Use your priorities, your goals, and your values as your guide and ground yourself in them. Choose behaviors and have interactions with others that build your self-respect. Identify what is important to you and stick to it. Know what your values and non-negotiables are. And when your values are conflicting, you need to work to resolve that conflict through wise mind. Live your life grounded in your values. T stands for truth and accountability. Be honest and accountable with yourself and others. Sometimes you might be tempted to avoid the truth because you're afraid of the consequences, but trying to lie to others and yourself destroys your self-respect and it will often cause bigger problems to arise. Um, If you have a great memory and you can keep from getting tangled in a web of lies, you will still know the truth. You have been lying. So... Be accountable. It's more effective in almost all cases. Act in a manner that respects your true abilities and avoid pretending you're helpless 
avoid exaggerating, avoid being passive aggressive, and uh, take responsibility for yourself. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay, for this next part, I just talked about sticking to and grounding yourself in your values, right? So for this next part, I have quite a list of values. Um, If you would like me to send you a copy of that, I can. Otherwise, you can look on Pinterest or Google um, list of values PDF, and you should be able to find a pretty good list where you can get some ideas of different values. You may already have some right now, like you might value your peace of mind and no drama in your life. That might be one of your values. Um, You might value acceptance, cleanliness, comfort, compassion, confidence, consistency, energy, expressiveness, fairness, fidelity, integrity, intelligence, joy, kindness, financial independence, humor, passion, privacy, professionalism, prosperity, resilience, willingness, wisdom, teamwork, spirituality, self-control, security, respect, love, loyalty, family, um, grace and generosity, intimacy, hygiene, imagination, energy, having lots of energy, commitment, altruism, uh, balance in your life, bravery, calmness. So think about your values. Make a list of your top 10 values. And those top 10 values are going to be what you build your boundaries around. So here, here's, here's a few examples in this workbook. Um, if you value truth, you could describe three specific ways you can live the value of truth. So one would be um, filling out your diary card accurately, telling important, telling, um, tell important others when you make a mistake, stop hiding liquor bottles in the garage. If you value friendship, it could be, um, returning phone calls from your friends, respecting your friends' boundaries, uh, practicing the give skills. If you value peace, You might stop yelling at your wife and kids when you're angry. You might practice mindfulness exercises in the morning and at bedtime. You might use radical acceptance to stop beating yourself up for your mistakes. If you value giving, you might um, give group feedback to the other people in your group on what they're doing well. You might donate your possessions that you have not used for a long time. You might be present in your relationships, staying off your phone and avoiding distractions and really being present and upfront in your relationships with people. So think about how you live your values, okay, with those examples. 
and then set some goals on how to more effectively live your values. And this is where setting those boundaries will come in because you want to be able to protect your living of your values. You don't want somebody to come in and make a mess out of that. You can't allow that because why? You respect yourself, right? You respect yourself and it's important to protect your boundaries. So boundaries can be physical. That includes your body and the space around you, your personal space. But boundaries can be psychological. And this includes um, information about yourself, your thoughts, your beliefs, and your values. Boundaries can be emotional boundaries. Um, That's your feelings and your ability to be um, manipulated. Um, You don't want to be guilt-tripped into doing something you don't want to do. Emotional boundaries also include not taking on other people's stress or problems and expecting them to take on yours. Um, Spiritual boundaries include your ability to choose your own religion, your higher power, your spiritual life. And who knows about your spiritual life and how it is shared is also a boundary. Um, Biographical boundaries. This has to do with your history, your life story. So you don't want to be sharing your life story and and intimate details about yourself too soon. But you also don't want to be so rigid that you share nothing. Um, You have to find a balance with that boundary. And then a general boundary is anything that defines and differentiates you as separate from others. And that's a boundary, anything needed to keep you healthy and safe interpersonally and in the world that constitutes a boundary so general boundaries might be where you live where you work who your friends are who your family is and other general information about you and the core concept of boundaries is it's a skill that um, (laughs) the boundary abbreviation is bo so let's call it bow because we don't want to think of it as being stinky so let's call it bow B-O is for boundary. Um, Healthy boundaries are the foundation of safe and respectful relationships with others and with yourself. So there is an acronym here for boundary. B stands for be aware of yourself. Use, observe, and describe to notice what you are sharing and what you are doing. Does your behavior fit the situation? Is it appropriate? Um, Are people being appropriate or inappropriate with you? Does your behavior feel comfortable? Notice whether your boundaries are at either extreme, being too closed or too open for the situation. O stands for observe others and the situation. What is happening in the situation with other people? Notice their level of interest, the information that is shared, and the behavior of other people. Um, do the sharing and behavior of others seem healthy and respectful? Observing others does not mean copying others. Keep your self-respect in mind and act accordingly. Observe and describe what you are sharing and doing in the context of others and understand that your boundaries exist in relation to those of others. You is for understand your and others' limits. We all have important boundaries or limits. Be aware of your boundaries and maintain them from wise mind 
based on the needs of the situation and the relationship between you and others. Also, be aware of other people's boundaries and respect them. N stands for negotiate sometimes. So in important relationships, we sometimes negotiate our boundaries. Negotiations can happen from wise mind and rarely involve extreme changes. Avoid negotiating boundaries in unimportant relationships or in new relationships or simply to be liked by somebody else. Put your self-respect above being liked by others. Keep on practicing saying no. It's so important. You may also negotiate boundaries if there's a benefit in adjusting your boundaries. If the boundary is too undefined, work on developing tighter limits. If your boundary can be too rigid, work on developing a more flexible limit. And make your adjustments using wise mind. The D stands for different exists. Differences exist. So negotiating boundaries is effective sometimes, but we do need to balance negotiations with a healthy respect for individual differences. Differences in boundaries happen due to personality, personal history, culture, religion, situations, settings, and other reasons. Sometimes it's not about negotiating boundaries, but maintaining your boundaries while being respectful of other people's boundaries. Um, Using radical acceptance or everyday acceptance with individual differences and uh, that can help you learn not to take those differences personally, which is also a boundary. Okay, the A stands for always remember your values. The A and the R. A is always, R is remember your values. The decision to negotiate and adjust your boundaries or maintain them needs to be grounded in your priorities, your goals, and your values. Use your values as a compass to guide your boundaries and do not compromise boundaries at the expense of your self-respect. And then Y stands for your safety comes first. So if you're compromising your boundaries to be liked or to fit in, you're harming yourself, you're disrespecting yourself. Avoid situations that can harm you emotionally, psychologically, physically, spiritually, and in any other way. So make sure you're keeping yourself safe. If you're around people who trample your boundaries and mock you for having boundaries, never hang out with those people again. They're bad for you. Bad. Okay. And I think I'll end that. I'll end it on that because that's a lot to take in. So look at your boundaries. Where will you create boundaries? Which values are most important to you? And that is your homework for the week. Build mastery. Identify your values and build those boundaries. And have a wonderful, wise mind weekend. Quick thought, remember, DBT tools are excellent for dealing with a narcissistic person, and they're also excellent for changing your behavior 
when you are being a little narcissistic. Think of a time when you misplaced something of yours and you immediately accused everybody of stealing it. We've all done it. Did you move my scissors? Did you? And then you find that you actually were the one who misplaced your own item. And when you find it, you feel a little stupid. So remember in those moments when you have that urge to accuse people, you have that urge to attack people, use that stop skill, observe yourself, take a look around, look for the facts. So DBT skills are good for dealing with narcissists and check yourself. Sometimes you're the narcissist. So keep that in mind and always be checking your own behavior first. Have a great day and thank you for listening to your therapy tools. Thank you.